Now we turn to the New Testament. Be reading from, I'll start with just one verse of review from Matthew chapter 11. I'll start with verse 20 and then skip to our passage and then read a little bit more in verse 25. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Now verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Since the reading of God's holy word, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father, we thank you for bringing us and giving us this word and trusting it to us, that we may have life and find words of life here in your scripture. Grant, O Lord, now the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth might be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, because you are our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been a while since we've been in Matthew, so I read one verse to review. We had uh, previously uh, worked through Matthew 11, verses 20 and following, and now we're simply looking at verses 25 through 27. That's where we're going to stop today, although I did want you to get a peek at next week. This really is part one. Next week's part two, okay? So this is, uh, you get two for one here. Well, uh, today we're going to really be introducing uh, just the first section here that bleeds right into the next section, and I want you to uh, not ignore where Jesus takes us, because he says some things which are pretty awesome here in our passage, verses 25 to 27. But before we get there, I want you to get the big picture. Uh, first of all, notice that in our passage uh, Jesus talks about himself as the Son. Uh, and what you get here is really some of the biblical basis for that Nicene Creed that we confessed earlier. That he is God from God, light from light, very God of very God. This is part of the evidence for it. Uh, this is a place where you find uh, the deity of Christ very clearly being taught to us, as well as his humanity. Uh, we call that the two natures of Christ. He is both God and man in one person. Uh, and this is very clearly taught in our passage, and I don't want that to be overlooked. Uh, and what Jesus is doing here is he's slowly revealing himself to the people. When you work through Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, up to this point, he's been doing things which really are temporary. If you think about it, he's been healing people, he's been casting out demons, he's been raising the dead, 
for people who are going to die eventually. Uh, in, in effect, his healing is temporary, but it points to permanent healing, which is what he came to do. He didn't reveal this all at once. He did this in a kind of uh, unfolding way, and here's part of a place where he's all of a sudden starts talking about who he is in ways that are uh, pretty awesome to unfold who he is and what he came to do. And he is uh, our only mediator. That's what he's showing us here. Now, he's been giving signs already of who he is. For example, he has been forgiving sins. Uh, he's been healing. He's been raising the dead, things that you don't generally see uh, in the world. Interesting, later on in Matthew, leaders of Israel are going to come up to Jesus twice in Matthew 12 and Matthew 16 and say, Teacher, we want a sign from you. <laughs> and you're going... Where you been? <laughs> look, look at all this stuff that Matthew's already recounted that they, they could find out. And this is, this is really not a serious question. This is really where Jesus has to respond to them like in Luke 16. If they do not bear, hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. See, even if he were to rise from the dead and come to speak to, to them, they would not believe. They're not seriously asking for a sign because they want to believe. He's been showing signs uh, out of his kindness, but he's been showing who he is. He's been forgiving sins. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven, Matthew 9. John sends his disciples, John the Baptist, to Jesus and says, are you the one to come, or should we expect somebody else? Well, Jesus doesn't just say, well, yes, I'm the one to come. He doesn't come right out and say that, but he does in so many words. In effect, it's what he says. Uh, and more. I am the one that you should look to because I'm bringing the kingdom of God into this world, and it is advancing forcefully through me. But Jesus is demonstrating now in our passage, in his teaching, who he is and what he came to do. And there's really just two connected ideas in here. The one is he is the exclusive mediator for the Father. He is the one who exclusively brings us to the Father. And he does that because he is one of us. We just had Christmas. He's one of us born of the Virgin Mary, born into this world for us as one of us, but also God from God, life from light, the very Son of God. So he is the mediator who can bridge the gap between humans and God. He does it in his person. Uh, and that's what he is now showing people because you're starting to get a sense that these temporary healings, this is really not what he came to do. They're signs and indications and meaningful pointers to what he came to do. He came to bring eternal life to people. He came to bring healing and release from the threat of death and the bondage to Satan, uh, which is permanent. 
That's what he came to do. And you're starting to see that now in our passage. And so this is where Jesus is really starting to unfold what he came to do. So let's look at the passage more carefully. Verse 25. Jesus declares, uh, it's interesting that you have this translation, I thank you, Father. This is also the word for confess. Uh, When you talk about a profession of faith or confession of faith, which is what we do with our creeds, it's a confession of our faith. This is the same word we use for that uh, and is used in scripture for that. It's a praise as a confession of who he is. And notice how Jesus qualifies uh, his father. So I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You don't have Jesus referring to his father with that terminology anywhere else. It's really right here. Other people do, uh, but not Jesus. He does that here for a reason, so that you can see his sovereignty. Uh, So the Lord Jesus is confessing that his father is the sovereign almighty God. Uh, And that is Jesus in his humanity is confessing his father is greater than he is in his humanity. This is something uh, I'll talk about later, but you see that in this language, Lord of heaven and earth. If you want to see that terminology of Lord of heaven, you look at Daniel 5, for example, or that psalm we sang. It actually is in uh, Psalm 2. Lord of earth and heaven. Uh, and here Jesus picks that up to affirm God's cre- that he's the creator and he's the sovereign ruler over all things. Acts 17, Paul, speaking before the Areopagus in Athens, says this, Acts 17, 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Notice how he's the Lord of heaven and earth, and from him comes everything. All the breath that we take is from him. He's the one who sustains his creation. Uh, This is actually confessed by Nebuchadnezzar, the uh, king of Oh, Babylon that Daniel encounters. And you, you read this from Nebuchadnezzar after he had a little time uh, eating in the field, having a little grass. At the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will, according to the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? This is a confession of faith which is kind of stark. Uh, We uh, know more about God, but Nebuchadnezzar saw for himself that God is sovereign. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. Uh, And it's interesting if you read Daniel 5, his son did not learn that lesson. And Daniel had to reprove him that he has insulted the Lord of heaven. 
But God, but God accomplishes all of his holy will, all of his purposes. Notice how in verse 25, the Lord Jesus goes on with his confession of who God is as Lord of heaven and earth. He says, you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Uh, the word for little children here can also be rendered toddlers. They make a distinction between babies and toddlers, and this is the word for toddlers. This is, this is little children, literally. Uh, he's revealed himself to little children. It, it is God's good pleasure to reveal himself to people who have no claim on him. What does a toddler offer to the Lord that is of any value to him except to accept him? And he reveals himself to them. Jesus calls us, in essence, toddlers. Uh, he has revealed himself uh, freely to his people who are, in essence, toddlers. But notice how God's sovereignty is. Verse 26, yes, Father, for such was your good pleasure. It's translated here, gracious will. It was his good pleasure that he hide these things from the wise and understanding and reveal them to toddlers. What's the problem with being wise and understanding? Should you therefore be foolish and have no understanding? Well, obviously not. I would, I would simply invite you to read Proverbs to see that's exactly not true. But what Jesus is talking about is people who are self-sufficient who think that they really don't need anything from God. They can come to God with their own uh, aptitude, with their own work and wisdom, their own ability to discern what is right and what is wrong and things about God that are true without any help from him. And they don't really need God. God is just an object of study. He's an abstract uh, cadaver on the table that they can look at and pick over and they can figure out on their own <coughs> what you need to know about God. And what Jesus is saying is, God hides himself from people like that. He, he is not pleased to reveal himself to people who have their own abilities in the highest esteem and don't come to him humbly. Blessed are the humble, for they will see God in one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the gentle or the humble, for they will see God. That's a term that will come back to us next week, this gentle and humble. And so Jesus praises his Father because he reveals himself to toddlers. People who don't come to him with any self-sufficiency, but come to him with need and faith. They come to him openly. And the Lord is pleased to reveal himself and to give himself to such ones. This is why Jesus praises his Father. It is God's good pleasure to reveal himself to such ones. And brothers and sisters, when you look at this passage of God's sovereignty, let me remind you of two things. This is not God, a God who is capricious, 
who acts out of spite, who has no kindness toward anybody who actually comes to him. He's not talking about people who come to him and say, Lord, beating their breasts and say, don't look upon me. I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer you, but I need your help. And God looks on such a one. He's not the kind of God who would say, yeah, but what have you done for me lately? Toddlers don't do anything for him. They don't offer anything of themselves other than their need. They come to him and he fills their hands with himself. That's the first thing. God is good and kind and compassionate. So when, he's, when you think about his sovereignty, you have to think about his goodness. He is most good. Nothing he does is evil or self-centered or spiteful uh, out of some sort of smallness of character. This is not the God of the scripture. He is good altogether. And he is a God who expresses his kindness and compassion day in and day out to those who don't know him. And secondly, the thing I want to remind you of is the next passage for next week. Look at what Jesus says. If Jesus thought that God were unwilling to show himself to people freely, why would he tell you, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden? Why would he give this open invitation to come to him? Particularly because of what he says in verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. The Son himself is not cruel or capricious either. He is most good. And he offers himself to any who need him and who would come. Jesus is here referring to himself as the son. Don't let that escape your notice. This is one of the few places where he calls himself the son. Most of the time in the Gospel of Matthew, he calls himself the son of man. This is actually in a passage we'll look at in a few weeks, uh, where that's very, pretty prominent in chapter 12. And I'll explain the term son of man and what that means in, in its range of meanings in Matthew and in the Gospels. But for here, he calls himself the son. Other people call him son of David, but here he refers to himself as the son. This is something most remarkable. It's like John. Uh, the Gospel of John, where you find the Son here. This is the Lord Jesus Christ referring to his divine nature. The fact that he is the Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds. God of God, light of light, come into the world. Born for us of the Virgin Mary. This is who he's talking about, himself in his divine identity. And he is the son of God. Now the father has already called him that. Matthew 2, out of Egypt I have called my son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 3, at Jesus' baptism. And 
in Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my son. Listen to him. This is the son of God that we are to listen to. We will find two other pla- three other places in Matthew where he refers to himself as the son. But here it is. He is the son of God. Here, by referring to himself simply as the son, you know you're dealing with God himself. This is, this is what I meant by this is the kind of biblical evidence demonstrating to you the theology of the creeds like the Nicene, that he is God of God. He is the son of God with a divine identity. And notice how our Lord himself, he doesn't refer to his father like we do, our father. We refer to our father because we are adopted into his family. And he is pleased to accept us as sons and daughters in his family. But the Son of God calls upon his Father. This is his Father by nature. He is by nature Son of God. He is by nature God. And notice how he talks about my Father in verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. This interesting terminology of handed over. This is actually the term used for transferal of property, to hand over property. Matthew 25 verse 14 is a place where the same term appears and it's instructive for us. Jesus tells a parable about a very wealthy landowner who's going away, and he entrusts bits of his property to various of his servants, and we'll see what they do with it. He expects them to gain a profit from it. He expects them to be fruitful. But the term there is to transfer property to them, and it's translated in the English Standard Version as he entrusted to them his property. A very nice translation. And I think that's how you read our passage here. All things have been entrusted to me, verse 27, by my Father. You're dealing with the Son of God with someone whom the Father Almighty, Lord of heaven and earth, has entrusted everything to. Everything has been entrusted to our Jesus. You're dealing with Jesus, with somebody who has all authority and power in heaven and on earth. That's where Matthew ends, when Jesus says that. But here you see that entrusting of everything has already begun. It's begun from all eternity, and it's begun in his incarnation. The Lord Jesus Christ did not give up his divine prerogatives when he became human. He added humanity to himself. But he still remains the one in whom all authority in heaven and earth rests. And here's what he says as we keep reading that verse, 27. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son, 
chooses to reveal him. The Son has the authority to reveal the Father to whomever he wishes. And again, remind you, the Son is as good as his Father. As the Father is most good and not capricious, neither is the Son. It's the same one who in the next verse will say, Come to me, all you who are weary. This is what the Son is like to demonstrate his character. Brothers and sisters, the one who says to you, come, is someone who knows what it's like to be in your shoes as a human being. The weakness and the fears, the struggles of life on this earth, he experienced them all. He was a baby, born in a manger, not in king's palaces, suffering cold and want and hunger. He knows everything about the human condition. He knows it intimately by personal experience, the Son of God incarnate. This is who you come to with Jesus. This is, this is unique to Christianity. No other religion has anything close to this. Instead, it's just advice on how to meditate, how to pray, <coughs> how to grow more wise, how to overcome pain and fear. These are all good things. But this is the supreme thing. Because here you're coming to someone who offers you himself. Come to me, all you who are in or heavy laden, and I will reveal the Father to you. I will give you the Father. That you will know him. Knowing God is more than intellectual knowledge. It's having him as your friend. Galatians 4. Now that you've come to know God, or rather, now that God has come to know you. What is it? God, oh yeah, why look at there. I never knew Mary was there. Hi, Mary. Gee, where do you come from? This is not God, right? It's not like he suddenly came to know you exist. Knowing God means like marriage. Having him as your own. This is what, this is what the Lord Jesus is offering us. You will know God, and I will give you this God. Now, brothers and sisters... There's two things involved here. If you are still wondering whether you should become a Christian, today is the day to give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you pray to him that he will give himself to you and give you the Father forever. That you would know him all of your days. And this next call for next week, if you are heavy laden, if you are weighed down with sin and fear and the trials of life, you come to him. He will put a burden on you, <laughs> but it's light and easy because of who he is. And that's the first thing. Today is the day to repent and come to Jesus. But what if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? This gives you great confidence. If you've trusted in the Lord, if you confess him, 
If you know that you belong to the Lord, this doesn't come from you. It comes from the Lord Jesus who has opened the way to the Father for you. Do you think he's going to take that away from you? Your Christian life is dependent on you to maintain and sort of grit through the difficult times all on your own. He is yours, and you are his. He will walk with you. You turn to him daily, confident that if you know the Father, it's because the Son of God himself has revealed the Father to you. It's an act of God for your benefit out of his great kindness and goodness. You should know that you belong to him. And your Christian life should be filled with joy and confidence, knowing that he will grant you to live to the end of your days with that same assurance that he knows you and you know him. This is the gospel today from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the Lord. Let us pray. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. O Lord, you have given yourself to us and you've delivered us, even if we are toddlers. Yes, O Lord, in actual age or in our need of you. And we give you thanks, O Lord. We pray that any here who may not know you might know the joy of everlasting life and come into the knowledge of the Father. Reveal yourself to them, O Lord, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of us who know you, O Lord, we give you thanks. We appeal to you to stand by us in our weak days, in our days of doubts and troubles, that you will walk with us and hold our hand, that we may ever know you, the great God, and our burdens would not be too heavy for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.